This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Celtic season is here, and we are back on the Winning Plays Podcast, and this season is starting with, dare I say, fireworks, Ryan Marinoni? How do we describe this uh, uh, eve of training camp blockbuster deal? How do, what's, the, what's the accurate phrasing here? Uh, I don't, yeah, I guess, I guess it's the fireworks. The fireworks uh, are here. A, a, re, a re-envisioning of the team. Uh, um, it's, it's, a, a you know, the biggest off season in terms of moves since 2007 now. I mean, bigger than Kyrie. Oh, yeah, easily. Uh, obviously, you know, the Horford Durant play that, that only made it halfway through. Um, but, you know, you take the totality of this off season now and, I think a little bit back to the, you know, the day after the Porzingis trade when, when we were talking and you were sort of saying there's more to come. This team isn't done yet. And I was, you know, thinking, well, you know, they, they've got these picks where they can certainly can do things. But in all likelihood, the team that they had built as of that time was going to be close to what they entered the season with. And, and they almost entered the season with it. But, um, the you know, the move of the Bucks I think, shook a lot of things and, and opened up a new opportunity for something that they were probably planning on waiting another you know until the deadline or you know just wasn't anything else out there it's not like they didn't want to improve the team they just didn't think there was going to be anything else out there like this and then this kind of whirlwind where um the the moves of their primary competitor uh opened up an opportunity for them to to answer and and they went very hard after it Uh, so yeah it's it's a big one it's a crazy off season now so drew holiday to the celtics for Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Golden State 2024 first round pick, and an unprotected 2029 Celtics first round pick. You kind of hit on that rare Ryan. Like the the calculus of this deal, um there's there's certainly plenty of question marks about this deal that we'll get into as we go through. But this was I think when you looked at the, the trade this week that the Bucks made, trading out holiday for Lillard with other stuff. The question was for the Celtics, they have all these assets. Were they going to get a better player, a better fit with their stuff than Drew Holiday this year in season? And the more and more I think about it in the wake of this deal, it's like possible, but certainly not probable. Like this could have been like the best piece they get. And the fact that he was available here before camp even started, um, at a, you know, obviously at a time where no one expected him to be available when he's with a contender just uh, a few days ago um, that makes what is a pretty high price here for an expiring contract. That makes that price a little bit easier to swallow, I guess, from a, obviously a push out your chips all in perspective. Yeah. And the fact that it's an expiring contract adds another layer of complexity to what they did and, and what they will do. And questions about appetite for spending are, are always out there for any team. They've, you know, last year they spent a lot this year, they're going to spend a lot the out years of this assuming that they extend drew uh, um or if they don't extend him that they're able to keep him in free agency it sounds like they're hoping to extend him are, are like th- those are talks that would I've, i'm sure yeah. happened before this deal was made yeah i mean as much as they can um sometimes those things don't work out the way that you expect them to obviously with porzingis they worked out it was all prearranged functionally um and so you know there there's a lot out there that we don't know we've talked many times about not knowing what the actual limits of the budget are um if there is no limit of the budget then that's wonderful and none of these things will 
will matter. They they may not matter anyway. You win the title and none of it matters. That's all sort of problems for another day, another year, another whatever. Because um, right now, this is I we're, I'm sort of having this conversation with a couple people on on Twitter, like almost as we're talking. Like, is this the most all in that the Celtics have been in since ever? <laughs> like, I was looking at. I think this is the first time that they've even traded. That they've had a, a draft more than two years away where they didn't own any picks, maybe ever. Because um, even in 2007, they were starting from such a lower point where the stuff they were trading was more immediate. It was like young players that were already on the roster. It was picks that weren't that far away. Um, and then I went back and looked. I was like 1978 for for a period they didn't have a 1980 pick, but then they actually ended up with Kevin McHale from the 80 draft. Like they right. they went back into that draft. But it's very rare that this franchise has traded that far into the future for things and to have had this level of financial commitment um, and to have this many players who are either in their prime or past their prime. And, you know, in, in some of the cases like um, who made up the, the center of, of their, their roster. So this is a, a heavily, heavily all in team, except they're not really all in. I, I think that there is still some flexibility here over the next couple of years. We just saw like trading a good player like Drew and one first round pick and some swaps brought back Lillard. Like you can still make moves from this point because they do have other draft picks and and some other uh, younger players who we don't expect to be stars, but you know could be something useful. Uh, but this is like as he- I think as heavily in as as the franchise has been in in a very very long time, which is interesting. Uh, it's a, with- and that's a great point to the fact like if you look back at the Ainge era. Like in the post 2008, like that's one of the few I think missteps he's made. He's like he kept all those picks, or a lot of those first round future first round picks. And what did it get him? Like, well, it got him this team. It, <laughs> it got him this. Him I mean, it this got him this team, team but that it wasn't this team, yeah. But like, you know, like it got him Jr. Well, it, it, it got him Tatum and Brown. It got Juwan uh, yeah, Johnson. Okay, so at that point, yes, in the yeah, the yeah no, I'm not. I'm not talking about mid. I'm okay. talking about like the beginning of the big three era. I guess. Yeah. Like your immediate window and. For all that Brad Stevens done, for all that Danny Ainge's, for all the sad moves they made, like they they never in the last decade or in the last half decade, like the, the realistic time to push their chips all in, they never came close to doing that at any point. And the window to do that is pretty much ending now. Like you can't really even do this next season with the new CBA rules going into effect, with with the payroll where it is and all these new limitations coming into play. Like this was this was the time to do it. What again? They didn't like you said. They didn't have to necessarily do it right right now. They could have done this, another version of this during the season for a player that may have been a better fit someone, um, than Holiday. But there is no guarantee of that happening. So f- I'll give them credit for like at least like making that, like I said, as much of an all in push as they can be, knowing that they, there is still some flexibility there um, with future picks and obviously who they have on their contract. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that. That's um, like you can criticize Ainge, you know, to an extent in, in, in that period. But I do think that the changes in the CBA and the way that they're phasing in over a year does put them in a unique position right now to make this decision where were the CBA that we were if they taken the last CBA and just extended it forward. I don't I don't know if they would have operated in this way of saying, like, we need you know, we want to do these things ahead of these particular deadlines. Uh, but it's even if they even if that was the case, it's an entirely reasonable position to take, right? To say that you have well, like a superstar player who's entering his prime right now, and and to say you know now is the time to go for it, and and because they do have some amount of flexibility left, like you can go for it for a year, two years here, and then have to adjust and maybe do some cost cutting at some point. We would you know you would expect 
But in the process of that, if you, you know, if that cost cutting isn't just selling off players for nothing, which it won't be because again, of the new rules of the CBA and how difficult it is to cut costs, like in a one year period, you expect there to be some amount of, of movement around the roster because there's always movement around the roster. But like, I think they've opened themselves up sort of a two year window with this exact team if they want it, which, you know, is always an open question. Uh, and then a year or two of sort of like, okay, we're going to have to figure it out at that point when like Tatum's extension kicks in and things like that. And the money just goes like wild. Uh, and there will have to be some understanding from players and fans and everybody else when that happens. But like, that's what being all in costs you or being you know, heavily, heavily in costs you. It's that's the trade-off. Um, and in a 30 team league where only one team wins the title, like if you're not all the way in, it's really hard to win the title unless you have like the absolute no doubt best player in the world. And that's not going to be the case with, with this team for all that Tatum's, you know, all of Tatum's greatness. So totally reasonable position to define themselves in an interesting way that they got there. Um, t- tough day, tough off season for someone like me who, um, you know, has emotional attachments to certain players and follows the team, not just because I want them to win the title all the time. Uh, with, you know, again, at this point, Rob leaving and uh, another big fan favorite after Smart and, and Grant. Um, but in terms of like roster construction and roster building, like you see the vision at least, which is more than a lot of teams can say. Um, uh, no, I was going to, what I meant to say uh, at the end of that was we have to do welfare welfare check first and foremost on Chris Forsberg. I assume uh, that's why he's not doing this episode. Yeah, I know. He hasn't he's... responded to text yet. So we're, we're giving him time. We're giving yeah, him time. He's in the Mind process. Palace trying to prepare for tomorrow's media day it's like after marcus was traded i don't think i think i waited a day or two for us to talk um but yeah this is is jarring um and when you look at the complexion of the deal like on paper this is again a lot um when the concern is like okay so you're going to give up your you are creating another problem by trading away one of your three legitimate like centers that have many injury and age questions and now you're down to two um you've depleted your asset pool you know not like I said totally but somewhat here and um but again when the factors we've talked about blocking drew holiday from going to another potential contender here and i think maybe a sneaky part of this too is like wherever drew holiday goes like you know that's one less place that malcolm brogdon could have gone and, you know, the more and more you hear about this situation um, with him, this was, you know, he was going to play. He was going to be, um, you know, honors contract and stuff. But I don't think fences were mended there. And um, I think, you know, both sides probably saw the writing on the wall here ever since June. And that wasn't why the Celtics made this deal. This is an opportunity that came about um, quickly. But um, I think that was certainly a factor to take into consideration Um in terms of why to pull the trigger now, like sooner rather than later on something like this. All right, let's take a break to hear from our sponsor, FanDuel. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. 
21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling help line ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play smarts from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, uh, similar to, you know, what we just talked about with the CBA stuff and a year from now, the things that they're doing now become against the rules. Um, that combined with a player who's clearly unhappy, um, I don't think that there was really a reason for him to be unhappy uh, with the reality of what it means to be an NBA player. Like, I get it. You can have hurt feelings. But yeah, it did seem like he was taking it a little further than the average player does who finds himself in the position of having almost been traded, which is lots and lots of players every year. But, you know, that combination of having an unhappy player um, and the pressures of what's coming with the CBA. And again, it just being a natural time to to push more heavily in for a title run. it, you know, the opportunity arises and, and it's also, you said it's one less player where Brogdon can go. It's potentially one more team that puts you at risk in, you know, particularly if it's if oh, a yeah. team, but you can also talk about if he goes to Golden State, right? That's another team that you may run into in the finals where it becomes a problem. It's and if you're really trying to win the title and not just go to the finals again, then, then you have to look across the entire league. And if he ends up in, in Miami or Golden State or any other team that you look at and say that team could be a threat. Uh, similar to the whole thing with Lillard going to to Milwaukee, by by them getting him, it means that he's not going to Miami, right? And it's it's one less thing for them to worry about. Now, this is all an interesting one for for the the Bucks perspective because I think you can position by position, like Holiday's a bigger upgrade over Brogdon than Lillard is to Holiday, maybe. I would think uh, so. It, you know, it's it depends on how how highly you you value each of those players, but of course. The Celtics give up a hot take here, but like when healthy, the best of their three centers in this. I don't think really <laughs> anybody think else. I, I don't think. I mean, I just think he is. I think he's amazing. I think he's the fifth uh, best center in the league when he's healthy. He's just never healthy. He's just never, ever healthy. And so what's your what's your appetite for risk with that player in, the, in that position? Like his impact on the floor stuff in terms of just like what leads to winning and how well the team plays was outrageous for years now. And yeah, I know he was never played and the team never was in a position to use him that way, but like there's something to that. So that's the that's the trade-off in there. And that's not to say that you they shouldn't have made the trade because he just he's never on the floor and like I, I get it. Um but but losing Rob hurts uh, a lot. And I, I don't I just think it's one of those cases again of like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna let the opportunity go by and go into the season with a with an unhappy player staring at a future set of rules that, that really limit you with that, with a player like holiday, maybe going to another, you know, to one of your rivals and all those things together, you end up with like, okay, I guess we're going to put in Rob and a far future unprotected pick. And we're just going to go for it. Um, So it's like any other sport, like the pressure's on now more than, more than it's been on in a very, very long time, even coming off the title or the, the coming off the, the finals appearance to, to get it done and and hang the banner now because they're again like for on a lot of fronts very very heavily in right now on on trying to win it which again fine I'm not that's not a complaint <laughs> it's just the reality of like how you get to a title right you have to take this risk at some point and they they've decided that now's the time to take it and this is again the as good of a guy as you're probably gonna get a chance to to, do, to spend it on and 
And for as, you know, valuable that Rob can be when he's at his best. I when it's like when it was like the Rob or Al question, and it sounds like, you know, obviously the Blazers preferred Rob to Al for a variety of reasons, even though they could have probably sold off Al for some good stuff too. Um, Rob's under control for an extra year. He's 25 years old. Like if you're a rebuilding franchise, that's a pretty better than DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, exactly. He's better. Yeah. I mean, like nobody, I mean, again, again, nobody outside Celtics fans thinks that, thinks that, but like he's a better, he's as at least as good and frequently better and better in ways that are helpful to a team um, than, than DeAndre Ayton. Like he's a wonderful player. <laughs> Uh, but you made 33 percent of his money yeah exactly yeah yeah. um but yeah but that's but when it comes to like who's gonna be more likely on the floor in crunch time of a playoff game like Al Horford is always going to be that answer um for this team over him um at least by test time whether that would have changed with good health and with more development for Rob offensively um more willingness to like finish around the hoop in those moments um, we're going to see him, but, uh, for the win now window, Al is still like, whether it's just MB defense or the floor spacing that they, this team craves, um, he's that. So the, I guess, do you want to talk about what's, we'll do a few, I mean, what well, we're going to talk about this trade for when Gabriel? weeks and weeks. Yeah. About... yeah what's, what's oh, first, okay. first things first, let's get to when Gabriel's out. No, I, the Drew Holiday Let's do five minutes on Drew Holiday, the player, uh-huh. the fit, the lineups, and the pros and cons your, from your viewpoint in terms of how well this could work versus where, if anywhere, this can this could backfire. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess if there was a player in the league that you were going to compare him to, it would probably have been Marcus Smart, or who would be pretty close to the top of the list. Like, he's sort of Marcus Smart with all the rough edges sanded off. He's not as crazy he the, the he makes great defensive plays they're not as chaotic um at least not as frequently chaotic uh, marcus obviously was also a very accomplished and intelligent defender and and uh, orchestrator of the defense and things like that so i'm not saying that marcus was all was only chaos and craziness but like he doesn't drew doesn't make as many plays of, of the type that we think of with smart as of the winning plays uh He's similar on offense, too, in the sense that he's a big guard. He's not John Stockton at that point guard. Uh, he's not Steve Nash. He's, you know, he's more of a sort of combo guard, probably a little bit more of a natural point guard than than Smart has developed into over the last couple of years. Better shooter in the regular season. We could talk about his playoff performances, but I, I think, it. you know, it's sort of he's a known quantity, right? He's been in the league for a long time. Most people who are listening to this have seen him and are familiar with his game, but it is interesting that they sort of come out of, they start their off season trading smart and then come back in on the other side, getting uh, a player of a very similar archetype. So it's easy to imagine how we'll fit in because we've watched how smart fits in with at least some of these players for years now. Yeah. It's the drew playoff numbers are like, Um, but then it's, you clearly have to put in consideration, okay, he was miscast as the second option for the last couple of years for a Bucks team that didn't have Chris Middleton at all one year and then had a, you know, far yeah. less than 100% Chris Middleton last season. So, like... And the playoff uh, numbers weren't great before that either. Um, but, you know, it, some of this is really... Like, it's difficult to make judgments on 12 games in a year, right? Yeah. Um, so it's not like that doesn't mean that he's a terrible playoff performer. Will always be a terrible playoff performer, and it's particularly we're talking about shooting, passing, right. you know, yeah, like uh, 
and turnovers and playing defense and all those things have all been fine. It's it's just he's shot really poorly in the playoffs for a while now. 33% from three for career, 41% from the field. Um, yeah, and so the question is now, when you are, the Celtics say, okay, yeah, we see all that. Um, slotting him in as the fourth or even fifth option in some of these, you know, in a closing lineup. Um, like, well, you'll take that every day of the week. Like, who cares? Like, that the, the quality of shots he will be seeing here um, or should be seeing here from three should be um, far superior than any he's seen throughout his career. I mean, I guess May 2021 yeah. when everyone was at, you know, that Bucks team was... I mean, he plays with Giannis. Like, he played with Giannis. So he's got, <laughs> yeah, he's he's got good luck. Good so I'm not going to there. But like, yeah. as far as like ba- floor balance, like having, you know, the offensive firepower as a team around him is going to be better this year than it's ever been in his career. I, yeah, I mean, I think that's a little overstated. Like he plays with Giannis. He was playing with Giannis, Brooke Lopez, who was a phenomenal offensive center throughout his career, and and Chris Middleton. Like he's played with a lot of offensive talent before. I just, um, I, I think it's more notable that it's like, yeah, but it was like twenty games. Like who knows? We'll see. But I, I don't. There's a lot of offensive talent here. The Bucks had a lot of offensive talent. Like the Bucks were a really, really good offense. Um, that that struggled sometimes in the playoffs, in part because of Drew's struggles in the playoffs. Uh, obviously it was a good enough offense to, to win the title. Um, but I do think that it's, that that's a little bit overplayed. Like I've seen that a lot of people replying back when I said this, like he struggled in the playoffs. Like, oh, well that's cause he's playing with way better players now. It's like, he played with some no, that's true. I mean, good like, players on, those on that aren't... roster. It's, that's fair. Like it, like that 2000, 2020, Bucks team was a wagon. Um, and yeah, like, and this is more of a meteor track record, like going through three teams, um, like back in New Orleans, kind of the same rough numbers. Um, but he did have, you know, famously had Lillard's number in one of those series uh, where they surprisingly swept the Blazers, embarrassed them um, with Rondo running the, the point guard for that team and Drew Holiday being kind of the uh, the off-guard defensive monster. And, I mean, we'll see, again, I guess going to the, looking at the lineup quickly now, what we know what the closing five is going to be. I, I assume it's going to be, you know, I white and... I guess that's true. You, I mean, you, they could conceivably depends who you're playing. Probably it depends who you're it's playing. If you're going to go delve big or not, I think against teams downsizing, I think White and Holiday are both on the floor, and then it's like pick your poison. Porzingis most nights, or Horford, if you know Porzingis isn't able to hold up for defensively for whatever reason um, on the perimeter. But not to say that I would be able to do that either at 37. So I don't know. It, it is, uh, you know, all those questions are going to be, um, I guess. I mean, how many nights do you actually have all your guys playing during the regular season? And the playoffs, we'll see, depends on a lot of stuff. Um, As we go through the regular season, like, uh, in a large part, who's the closing five in this group will depend on, like, is it the second night of a back-to-back? Is there somebody who has this injury or is in foul trouble or whatever, or having an off night, right? Like, you you don't want there to be exactly five guys, because then if you lose one of them, now you don't know what you do. They, They have six, and it's five of the six, is I think the easiest way to conceive of it. Who do you start? What's your default starting lineup with everyone healthy? Yeah, until they get another big, I think that you have to bring Horford off the bench. Um, I know he's a prideful person and all that. Like he's he's I obviously knows the stage of his career, not just by the nature of the extension that he signed. Um, but I, I can you really do anything else unless you how, get how dare you insult big? Luke Cornett? I mean, the, it's Come very on. obvious that Luke Cornett's biggest fan in the world at this point is Brad Stevens, right? Like <laughs> he, he has a greater amount of trust in him and has talked about him for years as thinking that he's quite a good player who's better than perception and all that. Uh, but he seems to have, have a decent amount of faith in him. Or, or maybe, you know, it's just like this is the move you have to make and we'll figure out backup center later and whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, 
there's a role for Cornette and Pritchard and Hauser and Brissett and some of these guys who we weren't, you know, weren't quite sure about where they were going to fit in the rotation. Now you look at it and you're like, oh, well, that's how they fit in the rotation. They're in the rotation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And if someone gets hurt, you're playing a lot in the rotation. Um, and in the regular yeah. season, like that'll be fine because there's so much talent on the team that like they're going to win a ton of games. And kind of as long as Tatum's healthy, like they're going to win a ton of games in the regular season. And then the playoffs will be what the playoffs are. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you need to, if Derek White rolls his ankle and misses some games, and Peyton Pritchard comes in, like they're they'll still be the better team, like talent wise, most nights because there's just so much talent, uh, which is a, a nice place to be starting uh, as you as you roll into the regular season. It's just like I said at the beginning, like it's kind of jarring how how many changes there have been this off season. But you come at the end of it and you say, "That's what." It, where do you put them in terms of like ranking top end talent in the league? Are they do you put them above the Bucks, sort of on the same level as the Bucks and the Suns and the Nuggets? Are they, you know, I, that seems to be the foursome, right? That's yeah. I mean, I think from everybody else, right? I mean, I from a talent standpoint, I think you have to put them above the Bucks now. Um, like the Nuggets, I think should probably, you know, they they took some hits in the depth department, but I mean, that, have Jokic, right? Have like, Jokic, exactly. Like they, 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 I think they should be considered the favorites until further notice with that, you know, starting five in place and they can still obviously add some some help to that bench um during the year here but as far as east favorites i think this puts the celtics there because you like you you look at the firepower and i think just defensively they have far fewer holes than the bucks do like the bucks just have you know as dominant as that offense can be they, there's a whole lot of question marks defensively on the perimeter for them and the yeah, none inside though right like, i mean yeah i mean it's true like there's some questions broke. inside uh right. with how they're gonna how they're gonna defend but i mean both teams are gonna be near the top in terms of defense and then i think that a lot of in terms like when you're talking about like just talent evaluation at the, the tops of the rosters how good is chris middleton at this point yep is it is it the chris middleton that we've seen post injury is there some renaissance where he looks like the player he did a couple of years ago that doesn't often happen at at this age and stage of a player's career but it sometimes does uh but without yeah i mean i think that the celtics as a regular season proposition at the very least are a, a step ahead of the bucks um mostly for that reason that it's middleton is just like you know if he's not an all-star player then you're talking about a team that's a little bit you know maybe we're talking about like a 50 six win team versus a 60 win team or something like right neither of these teams are bad by any means um but if you're trying to split hairs at, at that level i think a lot of it is like just the unknown of what middleton will be in terms of the eastern conference and then i agree in the west that the nuggets are are very very good uh i think even if the celtics had beaten the heat in the conference finals like the nuggets would have, would have beat the celtics at that point and and you run into matchup stuff like the celtics are, are, are a weird team because they're so so well positioned to counter pretty much anything on the perimeter up through your wings. And then again, the kind of questions and a little bit less flexibility on, on the, the back line is something it's just hard to predict what that'll, what that'll mean in the playoffs. And to close out here is, I mean, you were, we were kind of referenced that the, this team obviously needs help at center and this is going to be uh they don't have to fix everything now. Um, this is something they have the flexibility to do in season. There'll probably be some cuts in the next few weeks from other teams with maybe some interesting names here. The Celtics, at least 
for once have can go to other guys that might have appeal be like hey you we have a spot for you here if you want to play like you actually might get you know some solid minutes off the bench here um you can't use the mle though now That's can't use the middle exception so they yeah. are now officially over the second apron so they can't use the tax mle right so it's just minimums for just minimums for the... or or they have the the tpe from grant williams left if they yep. if something comes up in that way, which you can also use the claim waivers so if somebody Ooh, on a good point. Or, you know maybe not a minimum but a little over the minimum gets waived could use for something like that as well um every every dollar above the minimum costs a lot of money to add but we don't again don't know but so there's a little bit of a loss of flexibility but we're talking things that are not going to make or break the season right until al horford suffers an injury um and has to be out for two months um no i mean these guys obviously if the, any of these guys make or break the season that this team is in, in trouble but i do think a way to make sure that everyone is good to go um, when it matters most is getting in guys that allow them to rest Porzingis and Al as much as they want, as much as they need to, and still not cost them in the standings um, more often than not. So is there, what? what's your dream addition as far as the cheap, the grant um, TPE options, or just, you know, stacking some small salaries mid-season once uh you know in december when the trade market opens up a little bit uh yeah i mean a player who i've mentioned in the past who i think is sort of a, a darling of a lot of twitter is you know does xavier tillman get squeezed out with the stephen adams jaron jackson they have david roddy like they've got a lot of guys there who uh in memphis and he's only got one year left on on his deal at, at low money um is there uh here's some second round picks sort of thing that that can get that done into the TPE that would be an ideal fit um John Hollinger who obviously used to work for the Grizzlies said on one of his podcasts that he thinks he might be the like Tillman could end up being the odd man out once they get their guys back uh so he would you would expect to be some amount of plugged into what the thinking is is in Memphis if that were to play out then I think that would be kind of an ideal fit you're talking about players who again like they're not going to make or break it it's hard to know who's exactly going to be available after cuts and things like that um, but they do have a, a bunch of second round picks. And if something's out there that they can, can get instead of a guy getting cut and potentially going somewhere else, um, or, or you have first round picks, it'd be nice, but it's, yeah, I mean, they shouldn't be trading a first round pick at that, at, you know, for, for the, what they're trying to fill here. But, um, I don't know. Do you have, na- have you already compiled the names for mass live? I have already started a, a short list for mass live. You already, Tillman is obviously on there. Um, Kendrick Williams of OKC fame, $6.1 million yeah, under like, contract for four years. He's probably going to take two first round picks for him. So that's, um, he's also that, like six, four. Yeah. He's six. Is, you know, that's, that's <laughs> he plays a, center these days. He plays center he at plays six. Four. Listen, that guy, that's a guy that's a, that's an innings eater right there. I don't know how tall he actually is, but he's not, he's not, he's like six, six I'm guessing. by any means. No. no. Um, any other, like, as far as like low cost, interesting. I mean, Purchase a Chua again. If the Raptors season goes haywire, four point three million. I don't know what again. Like that's more of a just like a also really small. Yeah, also small. Like there's not real bigs here, and, and they have Cornet as a very large yeah. person, so they don't necessarily need. Don't necessarily, yeah, right. This is just someone who yeah. you know alternatives to to little Cornet. Um, so that's why we're going to Dwight Howard, Hassan Whiteside, all the uh, Boogie Cousins, <laughs> uh, all the names. I didn't even put these on the list. <laughs> no. No, uh, did not even did the not new even, era. The new, new era. era. We're not even on the list anymore. Not on the list. We're if you're out of the league for two years, you're not on the list anymore. Um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it is because like even the six point two million, like that's probably the extended for a what the what the budget is at this point, and b even if they wanted to make a trade, like the only pieces they have to trade, like who makes the most the seventh highest salary in the roster right now is what Peyton Pritchard at four million dollars, like. Yep. You really can't stack much of anything to get anywhere for a uh, a deal for more than a guy making $7 million anyway. We need Mike Muscala to get traded somewhere else and then cut so that then we can reacquire. Because he would be, I another you know, another one of those things that there's nothing you can do about it. But it is the the sort of falling apart of the Brogdon trade as you unravel that. The the original Brogdon trade to for Porzingis and how you unravel that. And would they have traded smart for Tyus Jones anyway and picked up draft picks? And what would that mean for this trade? Like there's a lot in there that is much, much bigger than this. That's kind of an interesting alternative reality to, to how this offseason could have played out. Um, but one of the things that happens in there when Brogdon is not the player being traded for Porzingis and instead it becomes smart is that they had to trade Muscala, who right now would be like an ideal player to have it because sure. he's like three and a half million dollars and a really good third or fourth big. Uh, but it's just the reality of of how things played out, right? You can't do anything about it, and that wasn't gonna gonna cause all this stuff to fall apart. So yeah, the options are aren't great. That six point two million is like a trillion dollars in tax if they were to spend the entire thing instead of sure. just signing a minimum. So I don't expect them to to do that. But if they want to, then cool. I'm not gonna complain. Like uh, there's no you're back into the state now where we've been talking about the new CBA changes some of the calculus of this, where it used to just be a money question to now it's a money and um you know, and your maneuvers question for, for how you can, can build your roster right at this moment, they're already over the second apron. Like now it really is just back to being a money question. But again, like I don't expect them to go and get a, a, a third center and pay $30 million in luxury tax for it. Uh, so there's not a, not a ton of great options out there. So uh, yeah, maybe they already got their guy and when you Gabriel and move fast and, and that they're, they're willing to go, he probably would have been on the list if he, if they didn't sign him today. Right. Like he's that it's that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He would have been, exactly. So like, and that, and that's a deal, but he's playing for a roster spot. Like they're not yeah, like a bunch of these guys in camp. They're just going to, they have a, they have a lot of flexibility in terms of like guys, you know, certain guys are expected, you know, like presents on a guaranteed deal, obviously. But if you're Lamar uh, Stevens and Delano Ben, you gotta be looking at this being like, I'm getting paid now because they got nobody else on the yeah, roster. <laughs> like my roster, the roster fight has suddenly become easier. If you're, if, if you have any kind of a deal already in place, unless there's some intriguing cuts, that's the only thing that can, yeah. that could yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, you're still gonna make the team, but right. there's the less competition than there than there was a few days ago. All right, well, camp should be fun here. Kickoff Tuesday. I wonder if we'll wait to remain to be seen whether Drew Holiday will be able to make that yeah. flight to Boston and take speak tomorrow. I'm sure if not, it'll be quite soon. But uh, yeah, a lot to talk about. It's gonna be a very interesting camp uh, for a lot of reasons that we um, get into here, and then obviously to see how the rest of this roster shakes out. Since I think the um, you know, this is far from a finished product at this point, but uh, make sure you're following Ryan on Twitter slash X at DangerCart. And we'll be back with you guys later this week to break down the start of training camp. And uh, RIP Tim Wakefield. Yes. Oh, God. I know. Such a Very bummer. sad. I'll say that. He's one of my favorite players ever. Uh, I watched very, I don't, when I was in college in in late or early 2000s i went to i don't know how many games that tim wakefield pitched very sad day uh so r.i.p tim wakefield and everybody involved with his family and the red Sox and everybody else um great boston athlete 100 percent. 